you're listening to the Real Recruiting Story Podcast, where current college baseball players reflect on the recruiting process. Every player has a personal story that hasn't been shared until now. The quest to get committed by a college doesn't have to be a difficult journey. Mark Wright has coached dozens of high school baseball players, helping literally hundreds of showcase players navigate the next chapter of their careers. And now, here's your host, Mark Rye. All right, let's get after it. I'm super pumped today to talk with Davis Boehner. He played at Alabama, as well as Arizona, and was drafted. Davis was ranked as the number 32 pitcher in the state of Georgia coming out of high school. Rated a top 500 player nationally, according to Perfect Game USA. He redshirted his freshman year with the Crimson Tide before seeing significant action freshman through junior year. He finished with 44 strikeouts his first season and limited opposing hitters to a 236 average. Both totals ranked second among Alabama relievers. Davis lowered his ERA every season while at Alabama, ultimately down to a 3.34 his final year, where he also led the Crimson Tide staff with a 160 appointment batting average, striking out 41. He was selected by the Houston Astros in the 21st round of the 2019 draft, but said no thanks and instead went to be an Arizona Wildcat to experience and enjoy college life out west before hopefully getting a chance to pitch in Omaha for Arizona with a team that was poised to do big things. He made his Arizona debut versus Houston, and then of course the year was cut short due to COVID, and so was that year's MLB draft. I think we could fill a couple shows just talking with Davis, but how about if we just get through this one? Welcome to the show, Davis Vayner. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so we just riddled off, you know, some of your accolades there, which are very impressive. Most impressive, obviously, you're now the first guy on the show who has been drafted. We have had several guys who are draft candidates this year, um, but you're the first guy to be drafted, so I, I think... It'd be remiss if we didn't sort of dig into that and sort of go from the back of the book and then we'll, we'll go back into the high school stuff. But what, when did you know you were going to be a draft candidate? Uh, I don't know if there was ever a specific moment, if I knew. Um, probably towards uh, getting closer to the draft and I was getting questionnaires and, you know, fielding phone calls. That's when it sort of became a reality. And I sort of, I sort of knew then that there's a, there's a pretty good chance that I might get picked. Now, in high school, were you known as a possible draft candidate? Obviously, you're a great pitcher now. Back in high school, were you as good a third baseman as you are a pitcher? So I, uh, I actually committed to Alabama without ever pitching an inning for my high school. Alabama, they texted me. They said they were going to come watch me play, uh, come watch me pitch. And I texted my high school coach, who won't be named, and I said, hey, do you think I could get an inning? He's like, you're not a pitcher. You, ne- you need to ca- catch all, six, or all seven innings. I don't think anyone wanted to draft me for my bat. Maybe if I was a pitcher back then, maybe I could have gotten some attention. But, yeah, I, I didn't really pitch in high school much. So then did you play other sports in high school? Yeah, I played football my first two years. In what position were you? I was a running back and a linebacker, very undersized. Undersized. So, so what, what are your metrics? How tall are you? Uh, I'm like 6'1", 185, 190. But at the time, I mean – it was Georgia football, so we were going up against some beasts, and I did not want to break any bones. 
Yeah, we actually are definitely from big football country. No doubt, no doubt. So, so when did you start talking to Alabama or any school, actually? When did you start talking to schools? Probably when I was around 15, I had the idea that I wanted to go play college baseball and playing with 643. They're an organization out of Georgia. And a lot of guys there end up playing at the next level. They recommended that I go to some camps. And so I decided to go to camps of schools that I would want to go to if I wasn't playing college baseball. So I went to Georgia and I went to UCF. And lucky for me, I, I was able to pitch an inning at the Alabama camp. And luckily I did well. And they were kind enough to offer. And I accepted within like an hour. My mom's like, just hold off, just wait, see if you get any more offers. I was like, no. So I picked up the phone, called them, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to Alabama. What, so what other camps had you gone to at that point? So, so you were a freshman in high school? Is that when it well, was? I was a sophomore in high school, and I had gone to a UGA, University of Georgia, and a UCF, University of Central Florida camp. But I, I fell in love with Alabama the second I was on campus, and all my family went to Georgia, and I wanted to sort of rebel against them. So <laughs> So what did you do at the camp that you recall being good? What stood out? Why do you think they wanted to offer you? Honestly, I, I would say it was probably my slider. I, I had no idea where my fastball was going, but I, I probably hit like 10 guys. But for some reason, I was able to locate my, uh, my secondary pitch, and they thought it was, it was good, and they could help develop the fastball. And it was probably, yeah, the, the, the slider that got me to, got me to play at Bama. And, and how hard was your slider? How firm was it then? I don't want to lie, but I think it was like 87. Yeah. <laughs> I just gripped it and threw it as hard as I could. And so, yeah. And it was it self-taught or did you have a pitching coach? It was self-taught. It was self-taught. Yeah. I, I think I saw some like video on like MLB TV of like how some guy threw a curveball. And uh, I just like replicated that and just threw it as hard as I could. And, Do you know uh, how awesome that is? I mean, so you're telling me you watched a video, you just gripped it and started just ripping out sliders and it yeah. gets you committed to a power five conference and people around the country are investing time, energy, and money to go. Not that they shouldn't, by the way. I mean, that is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Someone said, try throwing it to your like belt buckle. And that just stuck with me. I, it was on TV. Yeah. I just threw it as hard as I could. Tried going to the belt buckle. And uh, for some reason, I was able to throw for a strike. Couldn't throw a fastball for a strike. But I was able to throw that one. And yeah. <laughs> so how did your pitch design evolve from that getting you recruited up until through Alabama? What type of stuff did you change? And why did you change stuff if, if you did? So I think you learned very quickly that if you only have one pitch, hitters are going to be able to time it up. So you have to, you know, develop a, a fastball. You got to, if you want the slider to be as good as a slider can be, you have to be able to throw the fastball whenever you want to. So when I started being able to locate a fastball, it helped elevate my slider. And then I was a one to two pitch guy and that meant I could only throw an inning and I wanted to go more. So I started developing my changeup. Um, and that, that just took time and practice, but Eventually, I was able to throw it, you know, every now and then and kind of just mess with hitters' timings. How did you hold your change up? I mean, what, what type circle, of grip did you use? Circle change. My, bro my brother was a pitcher. I was like, hey, how do you throw this? And he was like, make a perfect sign or whatever. Yeah. And, and just throw it. And, yeah, I mean, it took some time, you know, throwing during long toss or whatever. I'd mix in the change up every now and then. And, yeah, I was able to have a decent third off offering.
Your your brother, was he older? Did you have older brothers that were baseball players? Yeah, so I have three other brothers. Two, I'm the third one. And uh, the one older me, older than me went to play uh, Juco in Florida and then ended up playing at Georgia State. He was a left-handed pitcher. What was his velocity? He was up to 95, and then he tore his hip. So we had so he was the number one Juco pitcher in the country at the time. He tore, he tore his hip, sadly, and that was sort of it for his career. So now how did your uh, your transfer work? So you're successful. You're killing your stats, obviously, we read it off. You're crushing it at, at Bama. So, I mean, you were very successful there. How do you decide where you're, where you're going to go to school, particularly somewhere kind of far away? Well, I think first you have to – I mean, you have to go somewhere where there's a program that you're interested in. So I'm very interested in, in real estate development, and Arizona – has a pretty good uh, real estate development program. So I was looking at a lot of schools that, that offered that, offered anything sort of in the scope of real estate. Um, and then I was looking at a place that had a rich history of winning and Arizona had gone, I mean, gone in the national championship, I believe it was like two years in a row. Yeah, so I just entered my name into a transfer portal and I started reaching out to coaches. The whole thing for me about transferring from Bama was that if I didn't get drafted and if I didn't go play, knowing that I had a year to go do something else and I didn't try to do something else, I'd be, you know, pretty regretful, even though I loved Alabama. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. But I, I just wanted to try something new and try something different. So I was like, all right, real estate programs out West away from home, make myself uncomfortable. Cause I feel like you grow a lot when you're uncomfortable. Um, and long story short, that's how I ended up at Arizona. Just want to get away and I, and I wanted to win. So. So obviously COVID cut everything short for you. So you get to Arizona. How's that acclimation? I mean, what yeah. was freshman like at Alabama? You were a stud in high school. How was it when you showed up as a freshman? Uh, you realize you're not a stud anymore very quick. And that high school doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters is, you know, what you do that day, um, how you're going to get better that day. So I just left my ego at the door when I got to Bama and I tried being the best team guy I could possibly be. And I tried you know, I went in with the mindset that I was going to register my freshman year. So I was like, I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can in the weight room and try to contribute in that, in that fashion. I was going to try to make the guys around me better. But yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for a freshman going in is just leave your ego at the door and try to be the best person you could be, best player you could be that day and not worry too much about, dang, am I still a stud compared to these guys? Like, if you do what you're supposed to do, you're obviously good enough to be there. It'll work out somehow. So when you're a freshman, who, who was the stud there in the program that you looked up to at, at Bama? To tell, there, there was a couple, like, absolute studs. Uh, I think the most physically imposing one was a catcher named Will Haney. He was probably he's the, the biggest catcher in SEC history, like tallest. He was, like, 6'8". He could, th he could throw, like, 95, and he was a catcher. Um, and so I was like, this guy. This guy is scary. He ended up being one of my best friends. There are some other guys that, you know, were, were cool, had some, I'll be honest, some pretty hot girlfriends. I was like, these guys are just legends. Yeah. Uh, and they could play good baseball too. So there, there was quite a few of the guys that I looked up to, but Will Haney definitely uh, sticks out for sure. It sounds like you have some good advice for how people can navigate there as a freshman. Now you go to Arizona though. I mean, you're proven. I mean, you're known throughout the country, the SEC everywhere. I mean, you want to, you're a great college pitcher. So how do you get acclimated into that Petri dish over there? I mean, same. I mean, just try to be a good person. Again, like 
you could be proven, but if you haven't done anything for that school or you haven't done anything that year, you're not proven. You know, you're only as good as your next pitch. So I just I went in with the, with that mindset. I, I wanted to get the get to know the guys on a personal level, and then definitely wanted to make it known that I wasn't some like oh I think of myself as this or that. I'm just another teammate, and I'm I'm here the, for the same reasons that you guys are here for, and that's to win. And I'll do whatever role, and I'll be whatever type of teammate you guys need me to be. And then how did that fall go? Where, who did you guys play that fall? So that fall, it was – we played San Diego, which was funny. That was, I had a bad outing against San Diego. But we played Team USA. I had, a, I had a really good inning against Team USA. And then we scrimmaged ourselves a ton. And then some, I think it was another smaller junior college or something like that. I mean, I'm not familiar with all the West Coast schools, but it was like a sure. Cal State, Poly school like that. Yeah, they came over and we played like – 30 innings. That's how all the fall games went. It was a lot, a lot of baseball. But that was the fall. How's the temperature compared to how it was for you in Bama? Uh, honestly, like Bama in the fall ball at the end of the fall, like, all right, Davis, you're going in a pitch. And I'm just like, oh my God, but I can't feel my hands. Like it's so cold. And then here it's like perfect. It's like 80 degrees. Body feels amazing. Feels good out. Beautiful sunsets. That, that was the least of my worries was the, was the temperature change. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. That's really cool. So now you still have some school you're finishing out? I mean, how long are you committed to being in, in Arizona yeah, so now? I'm, uh, I'm graduating with my master's in December. And then we're, we're back to Georgia? Yeah. So I, uh, I, have an, I have some interviews with some companies that I'm definitely interested in. Um, and they're in Atlanta. And then definitely going back to Atlanta. Now, having gone all the way through this process, if you could go back to when you first started and you started early, it sounds like as a 15 year old, what do you think would be the best advice you would give a, a 15 year old or 16 year old for the college recruiting process? Knowing what you know now. Knowing what I know now. Well, I, my story is uh, interesting because I had four coaches in five years. In high school or in travel? No, college, in college. College, yeah, yeah. So I, I had four coaches in five years. Uh, the reason I, I, I say that is because during this whole recruiting process, make sure you go to a school that you like and there's majors that you're interested in. Are you going to like this school if the coaches that recruited you are there or not there, right? Um, so that's that's the biggest piece of advice would would be to commit to a school, not to a coaching staff. Oh, that's pretty big. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, most people do commit to the coaching staff because they're, as you know, different coaches are can be – really good skilled guys, really good recruiters, really good pr dynamic practice. Some of them are all of it. That's those are the guys that get the big head jobs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, some of those recruiters are just known for being that good, man. Obviously having a good coaching staff in place is important. I'm not saying that, but yeah, there, there's some guy and, and they'll say whatever and they'll promise you that Friday night spot or you'll be batting cleanup. And then you end up going to that school and they lose a bunch and they're fired. And then you're out of school you don't like. And you're not even playing. So commit to the school that, that you like and not, not necessarily the coaching staff. When you were playing, was there anything that you think you could have done better? Which, I mean, sounds a little short-sighted since you recruited early. You went to Alabama. But do you think there's anything else you could have done earlier on in the process to either get a bigger scholarship or get more offers? Honestly, this going to sound super cliche, but just, like, enjoy being in high school. Enjoy playing high school ball like enjoy playing when it's not a job anymore and if you play well and you don't put the put the pressure on you like 
oh, I need to get this offer and that, you know, I, you're never going to get what you want to get. You just got to, I don't know, be where your feet are in high school. And well, if, you're, yeah. if you're a good player, like things are going to work out for you. And yeah, I, I just say, don't look too far ahead, ahead of it. If you're 18 years old or 17 years old, your senior year, and you don't have an offer, if you're good enough, you know, something's going to work out some way. Like, go to a college and walk on. I don't know. Like, you're right. Are- There's a, plenty of people who walk. I've actually had some people on the show that walked on. I just finished a podcast with someone who their story was they were going to go to JUCO probably. And then it was in Virginia, April, which is like the middle of high school. And he got an offer to go play D1 baseball, which I mean, yeah. that's an exception, not the norm, but it's not that It's not the only story I've ever heard. It's- exactly. Yeah. Crazier things have happened for sure. Yeah, everybody had, has a different path. And like you said, playing where your feet are, I really like that. Also, I mean, that goes into the mental game a little bit too. If you just enjoy where you're at, all you guys, you know, have, you know, better performances. Exactly, exactly. I think just looking too, too far into things, like you're, you're, you're not going to, one, you're not going to be in the moment, and two, you're not going to play the caliber of, base, caliber of baseball that you're able to play. So. Well, how about the mental game? Was the mental game a big part of you, you at, at either place, at Arizona or Alabama? At Arizona, I would I would say no. Um, at Alabama, yeah, it was definitely that was probably the biggest adjustment, on the field and off the field. Off the field, I was like, how on earth am I supposed to do class weights, tutoring, practice, all that? And I was all over the place and still have a social life. And then on the field, it was like, am I good enough, you know, to compete against these guys? And this guy is so and so because you're in the SEC and there's all these you know quote unquote big names and then from the mental side of things, if you just take a step back and you're like, I mean, this guy bleeds the same, you know, he, he bleeds, I bleed, we're all human, like, and not focusing too big on, oh, I'm playing Vanderbilt or, oh, I'm playing Florida. That, that was a big adjustment for me because I was definitely wide-eyed as a, as, a, as a freshman. I was like, damn, this guy's like a legend. Like, how yeah. am I, gonna- I mean, you got a ton of opportunities as a freshman, man. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty cool that you're yeah. able to get thrown right into the mix and be successful. That's great. Yeah, so, but I, I definitely had my struggles and I'm definitely very thankful for them because they, they taught me a lot. How about strength training? Did both programs lift early or lift during the middle of the day or lift at night or how, how did that work? Alabama right. obviously has a reputation of like a big, powerful strength program, which of course is attributable to football, but nevertheless. So I had four different strength coaches at Alabama because um, I had four different coaches, or I had, was it four coaches? Three coaching staffs, but um my freshman year our uh, weightlifting guy was a football guy and he's like he's he's actually the football coach at Ole Miss like strength coach at how about your summer seasons how was your first summer season compared to your last summer season how, what's summer uh, ball like for people that don't know about it and what, what was how would you compare and contrast your summer seasons uh summer's a grind uh it's it's definitely a grind but it's fun you meet a lot of really cool kids from all over the country uh, my first season since I redshirted, um, that redshirt or that freshman year summer was like my first time really pitching and it was a struggle. I mean, I was getting rocked towards the end. What of it. was it? Was it your location? What, why were you, why do you think you were getting touched up? Uh, because I didn't know where any of my pitches were going and the ones that ended up in the strike zone were just center center. And so anyone could, anyone could hit, you know, whatever, whatever velocity, if it's right down the middle, they could square it up. Um, and then the following year, I played two years of summer ball. The following year, I went to the Cape League, so right after my uh, redshirt freshman year. And the Cape was a ton of fun, but there's a lot of really, really good hitters. And 
I had my struggles there as well. I think struggling in the summer, if you go in the go in with the mindset, I mean, depending on what you want, like if you want to get drafted, go there and ball out, do everything you can to ball out. But if you're going there to have the best following season, like understand that you're going to be working on things and results aren't necessarily indicative of, you know, your progression as a player. So I was working on different pitches in, in the Cape and, you know, the results may have been what they were, but I felt like I actually got better through that. That's good. I think that's really good. I think I've heard a lot of people say that, it's particularly if you get the right, if you're in the right league with the right coach, they get it and they know you're yeah. trying to develop and get better. I mean, there's a happy medium, you know, for, for them, those coaches want to you know, win games, but the, the ones who get the big picture, you know, want yeah. guys to, you know, make a swing change if they need to make a swing change or work on pitching. So that's good. Exactly. Exactly. But don't get me wrong. I mean, you obviously want to do well and you want to win, but yeah, you need to grow as a player. So like you said, being under a coach that understands that you're trying to develop a pitch or you're trying to change up whatever it is with your swing, the results might not necessarily come, um, but that's fine. So based off your exposure to all those coaching staffs, including summer and just different guys you've been around, if I invited you to come to, I'm currently coaching a 17 U team with, some high-end guys committed to Power Five conferences. If I put you in the bullpen, what do you think would? And I said, "Hey, you got 15 minutes. What What do you think would be the best thing you could show or tell those guys in 15 minutes out of everything you've learned about pitching and how to be successful?" It literally doesn't matter who's in the box. All that matters is the next pitch. You know, honestly, if you gave me 15 minutes, I would sit everyone down. And I would turn on meditation music and I would teach them how to breathe properly. Oh, because awesome. being, okay, being okay. able to control your heart rate is the most important. You're not going to get exposed to that in summer ball at, at 17U. You know, there's not thousands of fans there. So if you're going in on a Friday night in an SEC stadium, there's 15,000 people screaming, yelling, your heart's beating out of your chest. You're not going to be able to, you know, control, control the strike zone. So control your breathing, then you can control the strike zone. That's probably what I'd say. We flirted a little bit with your, your strength training. How about the summer grind? Were you able to lift at all during the summers or train or were you? Yeah, actually a lot because, you know, you're living with random people. So I was like, I got to get out of the house as much as I can. So I, I would just live at the gym. I'd be at the field or I'd be at the gym, you know. But again, you know, you could get complacent and you could be like, oh, it's the summer. I don't have to get better. And then you get back there in the fall and you're going to be throwing up every single workout and guys are going to be hitting home runs and you can barely get the ball out of the infield. So it's going to show you definitely have to put the work in in the summer. Now I'm going to let you get in front of the whole team for 15 minutes. Would it still be meditation as far as what would you tell my 17 U team? I'd, I'd say meditate and they're going to laugh because they're like, Oh, meditation, whatever. But no, I, it would really come down to be able to control your breathing and you know, Focusing on the next pitch, the next, you know, whatever it is, focusing on. Hitters get sped up. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, obviously hitters get sped up too with the 15,000 people in the SEC or here for the high school kids, it'll be in the summer. They get sped up when they go to, you know, the WWBA in Georgia, assuming it's yeah. not COVID and all your college coaches come to, they get sped up in that box all of a sudden at, you know, at Lake Point or at East Cobb, all yeah. of a sudden everything just starts moving a little bit more. Exactly. Like an umpire makes a bad call and you're like, oh, it's the end of the world. But if you're able to make pitch to pitch adjustments, you're going to be so much better for it. So much better for it. So yeah, just being able to breathe and being able to move on to the next thing and also maximize the moment you're in. That's awesome. Great advice.
Well, man, you, you've been awesome. I want to just ask you now a couple more personal questions as we close out, just so we could get a, a little bit more uh, readout on yourself. So let, let's go to a couple more lighthearted questions for you here. What was your favorite dugout snack? Uh, that's easy. That's dill pickle, uh, dill pickle seeds with the Sour Patch Kids in them. I'm not sure if you've ever had it. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. It's fireworks in your mouth. And, and if you're like really patient with it, the, the Sour Patch, like become just like insanely sweet. Uh, <laughs> Next level sweet. And it's just unbelievable. Just so many flavors. Yeah. Quite the concoction. Dig it. Oh, nice. Oh, all right, if you were forced to pick, would you snowboard or ski? I snowboard. I snowboard all the time. I wasn't, I mean, wink, wink. I wasn't able to do it in college. I may have done it every now and then, but yeah, I, lo I love snowboarding for sure. What's your favorite post-game place to go eat when you were in Alabama? If my parents were in town, I would milk the hell out of it and we'd go to a steakhouse for sure. There's a, there's one called Chuck's. They had a secret sushi menu, which was bomb. Uh, but they also had unbelievable steak. So, but if I'm on my own, I'm balling on a budget, uh, probably like Chick-fil-A, grilled, nug grilled nuggets, large fries. And what's your current playlist? If you go to work out tomorrow in the gym, what are you listening to? Well, I'm from Atlanta, so it's only Atlanta rappers. So Future, Lil Baby, Gunna. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I love those guys. Those guys fire me up for sure. And what music would you listen to before you pitch? I assume the same thing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 it'd be the same thing, for sure. A lot of a lot of Atlanta rap, just a lot of yelling, and a lot of loud beats. That's like <laughs> that's my thing. And then favorite basketball player, if you have to choose between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I mean, the Last Dance solidified that. It's Michael Jordan all day. Guy's such a beast. Such and he the way the way he dressed was just unbelievable. Like he rep he he was just such a revolutionary type figure i mean he was just so he was so cool just like the coolest guy ever so michael jordan easy nice well good stuff man you've been yeah. awesome you're giving some great advice and i know it's going to help a lot of people thank you i gotta probably have to credit that to my cup of coffee i just downed subscribe to this podcast via itunes stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts Please tune into our next episode and thanks for listening.